So tonight we have several rooms in front of us for trying. We have actually six rooms and they have been selected in no particular order. I think they were all just very interesting for what they are. But I think having them side by side will really allow us to highlight mm. the, really the differences they have and the strong point of each. So the first one we are trying. I'm sure you remember that one. You remember where we got it? Wait, so nothing inspired you to pick this six bottles. They have nothing in common at all. You can find commonalities in, uh, in many different ways. You could say, okay, the first three of sugarcane juice, or maybe these are French owned, or these are cast strength, these are not cast strength. It's um, the linearity in testing, it's always. It's a story. It's a storytelling exercise. Well, I guess for one thing, for sure, you're pretty sure they all taste pretty great across the board. Then we know they all taste pretty good. I think it would be very interesting to really taste them side by side. Like this one, for example, the third one, the Vieux Sajous. I think it would be interesting to see really what's with the, the old Clairin, because that was one of the first old Clairin bottled. And really see how it tastes like compared to old Agricole. So first we're having the Naisson Reserve Special um, bottle at 42%. They, don't really, they didn't really disclose how old and how long it was aged. Uh, that bottle doesn't exist anymore. So if anybody like, like us, uh, if you stumble upon a bottle in your bottle shop, the Naisson Reserve Special has been discontinued about four years ago and replaced by Le Vieux, that we will try again uh, in a future episode. But the Reserve Special was... Why was it rebranded? There was a whole refresher of the whole lineup. The Extra Vieux was replaced by the EXO. Uh, the LV Subo has been discontinued. And all the labels, again, this one, the label is really old school. But the mythology is the same. The methodology is the same, but the juices are different. So the, the Le Vieux is, about, is a blend of barrels between three and five years old. So I guess the Reserve Special would be in that age. But back then, they were not disclosing on the bottle itself how long the, the, the rums were, were being aged. So I think that also was part of the, so the desire are, to be more transparent. Yeah, for sure. That definitely helps with this day and age to try to be more transparent because yep. consumers are getting more aware. So now that we have moved to Europe, I mean, we got that much closer to Martinique compared to being in Singapore. And I uh, look forward to be able to go there in the near future. So beside it, we're going to try our second rum of the night, which is um, Rum GM. Vintage 2006, uh, bottled at Brut de Feu, which is yet only 43.4%. Uh, Rome GM um, is a very iconic in distillery, also from Martinique, also from the flanks of the Montpellier, the volcano. And they have a whole lineup, which is very appreciated by Rome lovers. But they also release um, vintages 
and which are really highly sought after by collectors. A lot of people like to have like all the vintages. And here we're having a 2006 um, bottled in. But is it like wine? Where in like 2018, so it's a 12 year old. The vintages are like more sought after than others. Just the desirability, yes. Because if you buy uh, a VSOP, you say, okay, it's roughly four years. If you buy your XO, okay, it's roughly six years. With this one, you know exactly that it's been, it's been barreled on the 31st of October 2006 and it's been bottled on the 15th of February 2018. So you have, again, a lot more traceability. And uh, even though 43.4% 43 43 sounds fairly low, it is cask strength. Mm -hmm. So, Meaning that if, if a year is great, like in a wine vintage, they have a larger amount of production or a larger amount of yield as compared to others? Or? Yes, but I think in Martinique, it will not be as... The difference from year to year will not be as significant as the differences in a in a wine region like Burgundy or and 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 Rum GM is fully integrated. What do you mean? They grow their own. Yes. Shit. Yes, yes. Rum GM and Nesson, they are both part of the Martinique appellation, and the Martinique appellation, like Burgundy, for example, the amount of land that can grow sugarcane on the Martinique island is predetermined. So there's a, there's a, there are certain plots of lands which are allowed to grow sugarcane. Mm -hmm. And let's say if you buy the plot of your neighbor across the road, but he's not part of the appellation, that doesn't make you the right to put Martinique on your bottle of rum. Martinique is one of the very few, actually, or only uh, rum fully controlled and appellation of control of origin. Is it because it's in France? No, there's many other rum appellations in France. You know, there's Guadeloupe and there's Réunion. There's many, many others. But Martinique, 20 years ago, went through the hassle of creating an appellation. And that means the land is determined, how much the yield of sugarcane per acre is determined. I think it's a French thing. <laughs> it is very much a French thing, for sure. For sure, it's a French thing. <laughs> um, it's all determined from beginning to the end. Even every bottle of rum, I mean, every... Some samples of every release go through a tasting committee. Like you could not make uh, spice rum in Martinique mm. and put Martinique on your bottle because the, if you were going through the committee, uh, the committee will reject it as being called. So the committee meets and they test every bottling. The committee would deny it being called spice rum or they just deny the existence of spice rum? They will spice deny. Rum they will being produced in Martinique. Exactly. They will. They are, there is rums coming from Martinique that doesn't say it's Martinique, because it might be a molasses rum, like Distillery oh, du Simon. They do molasses, or you could add. Uh, you could make a rum with sugar in it's it. Like, it's like a. It's like a table du vin mm -hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. Got it. Understood. Okay. Absolutely. So we are trying the rums in uh, Glencairn glasses, which have this ideal shape to uh, channel the aromas of the rum towards our nose. 
Um, we are swirling the rum very gently. This is not wine. We're not trying to throw the, the lightest alcohol up in the air and to burn our nose. I don't think you could as well because the glass is a lot smaller. <laughs> so. Are you saying I have a big nose? No. <laughs> probably going to spill everything everywhere. Yeah. But then we just put our nose in the glass and just breathe. That will help to just get the aromas. You don't need to sniff like for a wine. Mm. Mm, so I'm getting a lot of pepper, chocolate, and chocolate peppermint, like after eats, which I detest. <laughs> which is on top of the things that you you you. Yeah, but you, you can't you can't say no when it comes in the packages. I I don't know when it comes to rum, just the nose often differs from the taste profile, and together as a combination, it, it's best not to have things that you don't like or to have pre-notions of flavor combinations that you don't like because sometimes you just deliver something unexpectedly good which is what's challenging about tasting notes like if i if i say if i say it tastes like orange blossom and you happen not to like orange blossom already from the start you will think oh this is not something i'm gonna like so now, I mean the minty note, one thing that has really struck me a lot with a lot of the rums that I've recently tasted is that mint note tends to be quite prevalent in some of the rums, but they don't actually deliver across on the taste profile, which makes it refreshing. I mean, like it strikes off as refreshing and then ends off like has a long finish and it's absolutely delicious. So what we're going to do is we're going to try those first and we're going to go through the line of what we have and then we can we have to keep going back between uh, between all of them the reserve special naissant i mean for me these are these are realms of enjoyment huh? these are these are naissant has higher abv higher higher like more aged products the reserve special still sits pretty much more on the entry level mm -hmm. but already the nose is very rich mm -hmm. the entry is very elegant so this is pure sugarcane juice rum huh? we're not talking about molasses zero added sugar get a lot of like a orange peel maybe caramelized orange a bit of saltiness you get that in this one when you saw a little bit of brine Now for me these are this is a this is rum that hits a sweet spot like it's a oh, it's got a bit of selenium right kind mm. of reminds me of like preserves orange peel mm -hmm. like those With candied the, orange the, yeah, no it's kind of like a chinese snack thing it's like dried orange tangerine peel that they tend to preserve salted sugar it so and it it kind of is like sour plum but but i first tasted it on the rum gm to me it tastes like it smells like orange caramel like one of those deglazed orange syrup yeah i get more of the um, dry sour plum on the rum gm 
dans les maisons. Mais c'est remarkably different. I think there's a there's a bit of dairy notes on the second one, which I quite kind of like. I like the long, I like the richness and the suppleness of the um, GM. Yeah, I think what really I like about those agricole is the one the fact that there's no added sugar. And you get distillate, which is very ample, very silky, very elegant, very long. Wait, you don't get any bitter aftertaste from the sugar. These two are agricoles? These two are agricoles. But why, the, why is the color like that? Age, barrel, age of the barrel. But do they tell you what barrels do they age in this? No sugar is added in both these two? Absolutely not allowed. Color can be, can be, oh no, 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 I think a little bit of sugar is allowed. Very, very little. So you very, don't know whether or not the sugar? No, didn't disclose. And color is not allowed? No. The color is, uh, I think for now, people know color is fairly irrelevant when it comes to a uh, but color means sugar, kinda, no? I mean, like if you add a caramel, that is color. Yeah, but it's the caramel that that adds color but has no taste at all. Oh, so wait, these two are these two can be conflicting in a sense, no? I can add sugar, and it can account for a color. You can add sugar and have a clear spirit. Yeah, I know, but you can add you sugar. You can add sh you can add caramel and have a very dry spirit. Oh yeah, I get it because it has less of the water content. Sure. Exactly. So remember that uh, the the yeah. Praia rum we I tried the other day, yeah. there was caramel in it for consistency, but zero. So it's a fairly dark rum, but very dry. And whilst you could take uh, any of the big vodka brands there, all have glycerol in it. They all have added sugar. When they add sugar, it's usually glycerol. It's usually glycerol. Why? Uh, because it gives that viscosity without being too over over sweet. So when people drink some spirit, like especially vodka, and say like, "Oh, that vodka so is so smooth. smooth," that smoothness is because of the glycerol. It's that coating effect that makes it not burn. That gives a little bit of of uh, of sucrosity, without being sweet. But that's the vodka cannot be smooth by definition. It cannot. This one is kind of like corn syrup. It's kind of like corn syrup, yeah. It's okay. very viscous. It's kind of like glucose for baking, you know. It's very, very thick. And, uh, yeah, but inverted sugars are really important. Yeah. I get it. It's, it's a chemistry sort of thing. Hmm. Okay. I, I, I really like the one GM. Yeah. I don't think I've had that before. <sighs> well, now you have. With a round GM trap to do with a really strange line with uh, the smoky. That was one that was ultra smoky. Yeah, yeah, that they uh, that was the, some entry level they released more like for for mixing and for bartending. But they're really known for the VSOP, the XO, the vintages. Then you have even a higher label with a label in leather, which is highly collectible. Um, but Rum GM across the line is absolutely excellent. Just the, already the, the, the VSOP is already uh, is already a really, really good drum for sipping. Um, 
Next, we stay in pure cane juice, but we leave Martinique and we go to Haiti. And we try the first release of the Vieux Sajou. Uh, that's a bottling by uh, Vellier. So in traditional Vellier uh, black bottle. And that's interesting because being from Haiti, it is Clairin. And then there's, uh, there are hundreds of distilleries in Haiti making Clairin. So Clairin is sugarcane juice rum. Distilled in usually in very small pot stills, usually under direct flame after more or less long fermentation, usually with wild yeast, uh, but it was always drunk white. And Villiers was the first one, or one of the first ones, uh, to start aging Clairin. Uh, and uh, of course, there was age rum coming out of Haiti before, uh, but not necessarily Clairin, like Barboncourt is technically not a Clairin. And um, they've been aging rum for a long time. So this one is uh, a four-year-old, bottle that cast strength so we uh, we jump up a notch in terms of intensity and we see if we find all that funkiness and uh, animalosity animality from the from the the rest of the clear range the animalistic character animalistic character <laughs> my my french accent makes me uh, exotic exotic exactly i can make up words <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we tend to do that to each other's words. So. <laughs> mm. Whenever you do a tasting, it's always interesting to go back and forth. So here we have six rums in front of us. And I've poured maybe half a shot, a bit more than half a shot in each glass. So we have enough to try. But then we also have enough to let the rum breathe in a glass. And as we go, we can go back. And then the differences become more obvious. Like now on the Nesson, I get a bit of coffee. A bit like cold brew coffee. Uh, on the Nesson, which is very, very pleasant. I did like chocolate before. I think that might... Yeah. The, um, the tasting notes, I think it's always to be taken with a, with a pinch of salt. I think it's very personal. It's very personal. And especially when you come from different, different parts of the world. Um, if you grew up in Singapore, or if you grew up in France, your flavor map and what esters and congeners highlight in your brain means different things. So trying Jamaican rum when you come from Singapore, you will get all those expressions of tropical fruit, which for a French person means absolutely nothing. And maybe we will find ways of talking with cheese and dairies and to explain those kind of flavors. Yeah, I think that being said, like, I think it's, it's, if you're a rum lover, it's kind of a worthy venture to go down to Southeast Asia or Asia at any point of time, just to taste the wide variety of fruits we have, because to taste a lychee to taste a dragon fruit to taste jackfruit things like this is just very relatable to the flavor maps that you get with rums especially with the rums from martinique uh, Haiti, that's, like, that's 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 a very good idea actually in jamaica especially because a lot of the a lot of it is very relevant you taste it, it's like yeah it kind of tastes like jackfruit that is overripe or 
I mean, like, there's a lot of other fruits as well that are from here, like honeydew, that are a bit more approachable for people from this part of the world. But I think in just in general, tropical fruits on a whole can be tied to rum a lot better. And if you had that kind of lingo, or if you had that kind of memories with you, it would definitely be good to add in your dictionary. Mm. So... Ooh, very, very different from the Jackfruit. Mm. So very, very good uh, recommendation from Sehan here. If you happen to have a supermarket, a fruit store or Asian market not far from your home, go there, get different types of bananas, get mangoes, jackfruit, longan, mangosteen, all those tropical fruits try them give them a few days at home to really mature to the full potential and that will be really useful to put your finger on some flavors when it comes to 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 rum especially the funky ones like especially if you start trying grand arome jamaicans like really high ester stuff Understanding a bit those tropical fruits will be useful, even though there is no biological connection between the two. It's just increase, develop your flavor maps. Just put more vocabulary in there and have more ways of expressing what you're tasting. Definitely will be useful as you as you go forward. Oh, and also if you're a wine lover, it's kind it's kind of you know relevant as, as well. Especially fruits like uh lychee longan. Even fruits like star fruit, which you don't generally see, but it's a, like a really interesting steely touch, kind of like when you cut your finger on a fresh can. I think it's very hard to explain what it is till you actually taste it. It's it's very different from any normal citrus fruit that you have, and I think that it can be very relevant when you are trying to describe something. Hmm. What do you think of that juice, Sajou? It's very, it's a mixed basket of flavors. I'm getting like, um, at first I got really basic, like lemon fingers. I don't know where you get it. Like these lemon biscuits, like lemon shortbread biscuits. Okay. Like basic ones. And then it evolves to, I don't know, to me I wrote like, I mean, there's a slight salinity in it, which I quite like. Yeah, a bit, like, a bit like cheap lemon curd tart, no? I thought that at first. I was like, oh no, this is like weird. Like, kind of like a box of biscuits that you get from like Marks and Spencers. With like the lemon curd in there. It's been sitting there for quite a while. The butter is really almost getting rancid. And then, I think when you let it sit for a while, there's a bit of a... I got plum. Like, kind of a very rich... um stone fruit just lingering at the back and then um it has the it has the vivaciousness of a tropical fruit but i can't quite pinpoint what it is in my mind i thought it was jackfruit hence i talked about jackfruit for a while Mm. it's got this um very um explosive dynamics going on i need a lot more round and syrupy and sugary as the agricole it has that 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 ripeness fruit mm-hmm. like candy kind of a, kind of like a 
which was totally not in the in the agricole. Mm -hmm. So a little bit like a pineapple sour candy. Those those like lozenges, which is quite timely now. Uh, kind of like a kind of like flavors. Yeah, pineapple lozenges. <laughs> <laughs> they are pineapple. Well, they are recolors. They are not. Uh, they are not uh, official <laughs> pharmacy. <laughs> Very very interesting. I mean that's that's what I like really about rum is that it's a, I mean Martinique rum is easily available anywhere. I see a lot of posts on social media in the U.S. You see a lot of Nesson bottles on shelves and, uh, and uh, from Haiti a lot of Barboncourt in the U.S. But trying the terroir of Michel Sajou, which is a micro terroir in Haiti, with his own sugarcane variety. The chance of us going to Haiti at some point of time in our life is fairly limited, I want to say. And yeah, we're kind of really close. We're kind of really close, but the situation has not been great for the past couple of years, and it's uh, it's not the safest place you can go in the Caribbean at the moment. So, or maybe one day we get lucky enough, we go with Luca and Angelo, and maybe we can uh, we can have a fun trip. Um, but tonight we're going to go to Martinique, Haiti, Reunion Island, all over through the Caribbean and Antigua. Um, and that's really trying different terroir and different, different uh, styles along the way. That's what I really like about, uh, about Rome. It's a journey around the world. It's absolutely a journey around the world. While sitting in your really sad room. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> These are the last days of winter. It could be it's worse. A... These are the last days of winter. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a little bit, it's a little bit dark, and uh, and uh, we are looking forward to the first days of spring. Uh, fourth rum would be one of my favorite. I think for the past couple of years, it's rum Savannah. Savannah is from the Reunion Island inside the Indian Ocean. So yeah, it's if on they a, give you a map and I ask you to pinpoint where you're in Ireland, would you able to point it out for me? I think fairly accurately. So you you take you take Djibouti, like the the eastern the eastern tip of Africa, and then you go east. I mean southeast, you get Madagascar, and off Madagascar you get Mauritius, and New England. So so Djibouti is here, straight down Madagascar, and then Seychelles. Mauritius and Reunion are in that area. Okay, okay. You know your stuff. Yeah. And uh, Savannah has the particularity to be one of the distilleries that do many different styles. So they do agricole, because the tiny island of Reunion grows a lot of sugarcane. Uh, they do traditional, traditional rum, which is um, molasses, column distillation, and uh, voila. And they are one of the masters of the Grand Arôme style. And Grand Arôme means long, wild fermentation. Let the juice sit in there, ferment, which is a fancy word, I think, for rot for a few days. Let those congeners and esters develop and then distill. And this one is distilled in Saval Colon, which is the same colon they use in Martinique, in some distilleries. So it's a shorter colon. And at the end, it will make something really funky. Wait, Re so they are the ones who did the long tongue. The long tongue, absolutely. The long tongue is part of their. I remember. Long tongue is part of their their their, their Grand Arom range, 
And tonight we are trying the vintage 2007. Uh, an easy way to go around Savannah bottlings is the cask number is always mentioned on the bottle. So here we are trying cask number 322, which is 11 years old and bottled at 50%. Important to note that Savannah rum have become ridiculously, incredibly difficult to get. Because now for a few years, all those uh, single cask have come out in series and there was the wild island series there's these different series and it always comes like in four five six bottles and a lot of people out there are accumulating to get the five or the six bottles and for reselling uh, and they have gone very very expensive this is not one of them this is the old label and i can only encourage you guys if you can get your hands on those on those older labels, so not the Canton or the Madras or the Maputo or the Well or the Forest and all those things. The older vintage with all the bottles, which is a really much more plain, those single casks are still fairly approachable in terms of value, but they are absolutely, absolutely delicious rum. And this one, as soon as we pour, the whole room smells like what fruit we gonna. No, you're getting you're getting this you're getting this song, the Lady Gaga and Blackpink song. Sour candy. <laughs> There's a bit of Blackpink in this sour candy song, no? Yeah, Blackpink, Blackpink Black and Lady Gaga. Yeah. That's where you get the sour candy, yeah. and then you imagine just like these um the red gummy bears jumping around. It's big amount of big bouquet of red fruits, cranberries. I get that a lot. Just this really predominant citrus note like the kind the kind of candy that you used to have as kids you dare yourself to hold it in your mouth for the longest time Ooh, i got a giant double goosebump on there mm. this one i know is going to be good wow what a cracker from savannah mm. With these, all these rums that you're tasting right now, would you advise water being added or? Um, nothing we have drunk so far would, to me, justify water. Uh, water is not a bad thing. It's never a bad thing, actually, when drinking spirits, rum or whiskey or anything else. Water just opens up the spirits and it fastens the process of the spirit revealing its aromas. And here we've tried 42%, 43% and 50s. Um, at worst, 10 minutes in the glass already, the spirit will start to really reveal most of what it has. Um, the last one we're trying tonight is a 64%. That is something I would that would justify adding 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 some water so wait um it's a balance between the temperature you're serving at of course obviously you're going to serve if you're going to serve it cold right the aromas won't be open so temperature is actually the real enemy there in spirits like in wine you will never let's say if you buy uh, a summer red like we've tried recently this is a wine you could put in the fridge and drink at seven, eight degrees because the wine is meant to be like that. Now, if you buy a very nice, uh, 
I don't know, just think about a very old fancy red. You would not put it in the fridge and drink it at four degrees. You're just really putting the aromas to sleep and you will not you would not taste any different than the cheap the cheaper like one. The lovely bottles that your dad ruined. Exactly. So the when it comes to rum and spirit is the same. If you have a great blend uh, or great rum of uh, what I, what I think a rum of enjoyment. Uh, think about that again. That Praia that we drank, or that uh, that Samai Gold that just won that gold medal at the ISS Award. These neat or ice, no problem. They are rum meant to have fun, to enjoy, just have a drink. Once you go into more vintages, single cask, it's kind of like listening to your favorite band on minimum volume. Like you will not listen to Led Zeppelin on volume one. It, it, it requires it requires power. On the other hand, water just opens it up. Um, thinking the, the guys that make blended whiskey, on the nose that make blended whiskey, which are the same kind of guys that make perfume, they drink whiskey when they make the blend, water down to only 15% alcohol. Because at that level, the aromas are totally blown up and they can really get everything. So water is not the enemy. Uh, ice, temperature, yes, but. So the best, the, the most optimal temperature for serving your rums would be? Room temp, 13. That, that differs from one country to another. 13 to 15. If you live in a hot country like Singapore, no direct sunlight onto your rum bar at home. That's how you're going to destroy your, your spirit. Don't have to be kept in the fridge, but it needs to be kept away from daylight. In the shades, exactly. Okay. I really like that one. The one before last, so we're gonna jump totally different style. And the reason why I wanted to try this one is because I've listened to a, there's a fantastic podcast called the Rumcast out of the US. And a few days ago, the guys, they had the, the global ambassador for Black Talk Rum on the show and uh, he was very good at explaining how the whole black dot history came about and i highly encourage you guys to yeah they're really transparent about the blend on the back no? absolutely so this is the 50th anniversary edition uh, so black dots day is basically when the british navy stopped pouring the daily ration of rum uh, to its sailors which is ridiculous by the way yeah which was like a pint per day of overproof rum it was like uh it was way way too much and in the podcast they explained that very much into detail it's very interesting and it took them really a long time to realize that people managing warships shouldn't be drunk on duty um so not not the not the best example of uh of military uh acuteness um but this Black Dot 50th anniversary, what is really interesting about it is on the back label. Um, the guys are being very transparent about what's in it. And this is the master blender behind Black Dot is a guy that worked for... Um, so this is a project from Sook in the Sing, huh? the, the, the whiskey exchange uh, guys. And uh, that's the, his master blender. Basically, in this rum, he just made a rum, like his dream rum. And on the back of the label, they tell you the exact compo of the different rum. And typically, you have 12-year-old uh, Demerara, 
nine-year-old Demerara, 27%, and uh, 10-year-old Caroni, uh, no, sorry, 23-year-old Caroni, huh? 13 years tropical and 10 years continental. Um, so think about what you represent to like a 23-year-old Caroni as a bottle by itself could be sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars anyway, and they put it in a blend. So the, the back label is very transparent. We get some Demera, some Foursquare, some Trinidad Distillers, some Hamden, some Caroni, some Iflut, and some of the original Royal Navy blend, which is old flagons that they bought from the Navy. Uh, there's only 0.5% because it's a very old Solera. That's how you pronounce it. Yeah, that's how you pronounce it. And there's even the eye float, by the way, it's only 0.5%, but it's a 42-year-old eye float. So um, at that age, that concentration, you don't need to put much to uh, bring some character to the rum. That's how you know it's going to be a treat. Yeah, so uh, ladies first, you get... Uh, I mean, we've tried this before, but this is... Uh, Ooh. I think compare, coming from... We, we've came from agricole to age Clairin, to Grand Arome, and now we're jumping into Caribbean, so we've just been going up in intensity. Uh, I haven't mentioned this is bottled at 54.5%, Black Dot 50th. Silence in the studio. Just trying to wrap my head around it. It's very much like a a dessert which everyone eats in this time of night. When you're thinking about something sweet, and it comes along and delivers full blown deliverance of a caramelized banana crepe Suzette, which is kind of strange because. These two things do not necessarily go together, but that's what I get straight off the bat. Mm -hmm. I have not tasted it yet, but on the nose itself. But when you when you pan fry banana with butter, yeah, and you put sugar, and you really you bring it to a, a petit brulé or right. just before the caramel starts turning sour. Yeah, and this banana is not overly ripe. It's just kind of green. Mm. It's got a little bit of sour in it, doesn't it? It doesn't taste like that, but you know what it made me think about? A Florentine. Because oh, you get the... You get, you get the dried fruit. Going you get the dry fruit, you get the nuttiness, and you get the chocolate. And the butter that binds it all. And you get the butter that binds it all. And it's, it's, it's for me, that, that's kind of, that kind of experience. It's like, bah, everything in one. So many layers. So this, this no, there's no problem in eating too much when it comes to descriptions. Yeah. It's like the more things you've tasted in your life, the more things you can tie a resemblance. Absolutely. To. I think this one really, we're not going to do water, but we're going to give it five, ten minutes yeah. to open up. It's very layered. It's very compressed now. Um, absolutely delicious. Wow. But it has that that power, that intensity, that make you say this is a rum to enjoy, listening to some music, watching a game, or watching TV, or talking with your special one. This this is absolutely not drinking rum. This is not party product. This is no. take your time, drink it as much from the brain as you do from the heart, and you will it will give you a 
a good time in return. So really. Preferably with someone who obviously appreciates the product as well. Definitely with someone who appreciates it. But on the other hand, if you were, if you have friends coming over and they are big whiskey drinkers or wine drinkers and they've never had rum because they think rum is garbage. That's a good one. That's like setting the standard really, really high from the start. Yeah. You're probably going to ruin rum for them because going up from that is going to be hard. But that's like proper. So really kudos to the Whiskey Exchange and to Sukinder and his team for doing that. Do you think it's possible to do like a rum degustation? Like do an entire meal just... Like a, a five-course meal pack with rums from start to finish. Including cocktails or? Including cock, maybe including cocktails to begin with, but the rest are all just straight off the bat. Like yeah, I think because with all the the fresh sugarcane eau de vies you have out there, it gives you such a such an array of possibilities. Think about everything very vegetal, the clearance, the chalong base, the agricole. The, there's so much stuff that you could like you could pair, chill it. Uh, so, so it, it becomes it becomes a bit easier on the palate, and to pair with uh, seafood and fish and that kind of stuff that could be, that could, that be, could uh, be interesting. No? Could be interesting, <clears throat> and something that we had like the naissance, the GM, they could pair that with the meat. These are definitely more like dessert. After dessert, sort of, these? Uh, sort of sippers. Nah, these two are like great with seafood. All right. Like if you imagine something like um okay with the uh, with the milsim, I guess yeah, with the milsim, because of the sour candy notes, it will go really well with ceviche if you think about it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because the ceviche will have the citrusy to connect it. And also because it's it's really tart. It can enable to cut through any sort of heat that you want to bring through. So if you're going to use chili paddy or something spicy, it'd be really but good that, that to black dot with cheese. Imagine when you have like that mouth full of the fattiness on the cheese, rinse off a cantal or old mimolette with that black dot, let them the, these two marry together in your mouth. That actually could go over meat dish. Remember yeah. when we recently, you know, or, or even like a, okay, imagine like a meat feel, filled like, Onion loti, like a like a a, a meat filled pasta dish with like the parmesan foam on top. Uh-huh. I think that could go like the nuttiness would really yeah. accentuate be accentuated the black part. So we so we have Sehan and I very different divergent opinions when it comes to uh, to pairing. Um, personally, I never really like to go for pairing because I expect my food to be very good as it is and expect my wine and spirit to be excellent as they are. Now, if I have to have one after the other, after I've eaten my my meat, my fish, or my cheese, or my dessert, and I have some kind of residue in my mouth, this is when I will use that leftover of my food experience to mix it with a, with a liquid behind and see if I can get like a, an extra little bit of goosebump left from that. But I would not expect one plus one to be equal to three. Whilst my partner in crime here will expect the two to be a perfect pair. No, not there's perfect n- pair. No, just like in any, any relationship, I feel that a pairing is meant to challenge one another. It is not supposed to compliment. You're not supposed to say, yeah, this... 
this goes swimmingly well with that. No, 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 it's not like that. It's like, it makes you challenge the dish. When you drink something, or you drink a wine, or you drink a rum, or a sherry pairing, which I've been to quite recently, which I really like. It's meant to make you think, oh wow, this dish is really interesting on some level, and this pairing is meant to bring out a different flavour note that the, that the liquor does not carry. And that challenge just enhances the entire experience. What's the point of going side by side? What's the point of saying that, oh, this helps to swallow your dish? No, nope. not like that. <laughs> it, just, it just doesn't make sense to me. So I really like the concept of having a pairing that challenges and accentuates and highlights the certain play profiles in the dish and the work of a craftsman. Okay. So my point was, whether you are very particular about your pairings or whether you, are, you like to have your solids and your liquids separate, I would say don't let anybody tell you how to drink. It's uh, in the end, associating food and drink is a very personal affair. Uh, I like it my way. She likes it her way. I don't think either of us is wrong. I think we just we have a bit of experience and we figure out that this is the right way for us. But if you get carried in a wine pairing dinner or in a whiskey pairing dinner or champagne pairing dinner, just be careful of people telling you how and how you should be enjoying your spirit because it's down to your own own choice. Especially when you've bought the bottles, uh, you bought it, you own it, you're drinking the way you want. I think, I think sometimes it's really just best to just close your eyes and try to, you know, try to, try to conglomerate or try to accumulate all the memories you have from the past and try to put it into words. Because a lot of it, you have tasted before. You just don't remember it. You just don't know how to piece it into words. But if you do, just try to concentrate. It's just the best thing to do with. Mm. Yeah. So our last rum for the night is a little bit of a monster. Uh, something which we were not very familiar with uh, when we were living in Singapore. And I think even in France, actually, the brand is not extremely well known. Uh, it's from English Arbor. Uh, English Arbor is a distillery of Antigua. Um, Got a little bit of fame a few years back when there was a Villiers bottling from uh, from uh, from that one, but here we are getting one which was made specifically for the German market, and in the German market, English Arbor likes, I believe, it's once a year to release something they call the High Congener series, and if you have been venturing in the world of especially Vellier bottling and Habitation Vellier bottling, you'll be very familiar to what congeners are. In long story no, short, it's, Tell me more. it's all the flavors in a liquid. Besides alcohol, everything else is congeners. Inside the congeners, you have the esters. So it's, um, then it actually gets very scientific very fast and it's actually not that interesting to dive deep into the subject. Can it be done? Really been there? It goes into a lot of biology and chemistry, and it's there, there is no ooh, magic moment. I figure out the truth there. It's just like, okay, this is back to school chemistry. That's and it's, why at the end of the day, spirits like this can uh, cater to both very geeky people and people who just absolutely. love absolutely. to enjoy good ah. stuff. 
So this English Arbor, uh, distilled in 2014, bottled in 2020, no mention of the months, so it would be a five to six year old, uh, bottled at cast strength at a whooping 63.8%. Um, yep, and even on the label, it does say straight from the cask. Until now, nothing extraordinary, but below they say for experienced rum connoisseur, which I think is meant to say careful. It does also say um, who you're going to call Ghostbusters. <laughs> So, small batch, non-chill filtered, obviously. Um, I just thought it was very interesting to, uh, to, um, to, uh, to get this bottling because English Arbor, common line, common range, is very uh, orientated towards realm of pleasure, realm of enjoyment. And this is definitely much more like a step into the... the tasting, sipping uh, kind, of a, kind of a rum. And... To my knowledge, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, that's the only distillery on Antigua. So, if you want to try Antigua rum, uh, English Harbor is kind of like your. Where is your, Antigua? It's part of the West Indies, so it's one of that chain of uh, chain of island. Antigua and Barbuda. It is just east of Puerto Rico, north of Dominican Republic. You have to go there someday. Yeah, I think we have to go to that entire zone. Starting from Mexico, going to drink Chalanda, and then traveling throughout the Caribbean. And uh, yeah, COVID is kind of like behind us now. So. so if we, if the I mean, world... We haven't, caught, we haven't caught the African virus. Apparently most of the Singaporeans have, so what kind of... Ah, there, but... Maybe we're just immune, yay. <laughs> maybe we are, maybe we are. Um, that English Arbor... Mm, I get a lot of that uh, cafe au lait or more like caramel. A bit more common for molasses rum. Like I said, it's very personal. And very, very powerful. Has a nice sucrosity. I much prefer the taste profile than what it is on the nose. Mm. I can see that because there is a very strong lingering, like a, uh, like a almond. To me, I get this marzipan almond thing on the nose, which I am not a big fan of. It's it's got like a lot of white flowers, very floral on the nose. But actually, if you if you taste it, it's kind of thick and like he said, it's got a nice viscosity. Just try to ignore the nose. Sometimes it's a bit hard. <laughs> hmm. There's something opening up already. It's a. What what would you would you strongly Rest contest present. against adding some water to this one or would you? No, absolutely not. It's not a, it's not a ridiculously expensive bottling. But we just I just had to bring it from Germany, but I get a little bit of um, of raspberry on the nose. It's like raspberry and coffee. Yeah, definitely raspberries. 
I get one of these cakes that you get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like these are. I like. I like. I like. It, it, like a like a coffee genoise with the raspberry. It tastes like an espresso martini where the vodka had been raspberry infused, which we have made in the past. It's very much like that. I think with most of the Paris, it's just be adamant of your notes. If you think that it tastes like something, just just be strong and um, just be resilient with your pairing with with your taste notes. Just mm. like if I taste coffee genoise and raspberry as a pastry chef, I'm just gonna write it down. But it's it doesn't have to make your partner or make the people you're tasting with. Say that yes, you know it is like that, but it may inspire thoughts of yes, it's it might be coffee or some kind of like cold brew coffee, for example, with its tangy notes. You never know. Never know. It inspires uh, people. Yeah, and in tasting, your nose might pick up things that you like and things that you dislike, um, which is also a bit tricky to navigate because you might, you might involuntarily pick up things that are not your favorite aromas and that might deter your pleasure and your experience so we try to focus on finding the things that you like in it because there are literally hundreds of different compounds in every spirit and that leads to to make you smell aromas Mm -hmm. so keep digging if you need to open it up add more water wait a little bit Uh, usually spirit Anything 40% and above is never optimal straight out of the bottle into the glass. But at least five minutes is really, really kind of like ideal. And the fifth to the 15th, I think beyond 15, if it's a lower ABV, it might start to to, to dull down a little bit. But I think five to 15 for me is really where I get the, the, the spirit would change the most. And it's the most interesting to keep going back at it and, and picking up new new aromas. And uh, and this is a way to 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 have the most fun uh, trying those things without drinking too much. Huh? Please drink responsibly. So if you get uh, if you get samples and you try four or five rums, try them side by side. Go back and forth. Give them time, and I guarantee you, you will have as much pleasure, if not more, without the buzz of having drunk the same thing again and again. Uh, just for the sake of it. We have to stop. We're gonna, the, our time is kind of up. So thanks, Sehan, for this first live recorded, highly not prepared, because this is the way we wanted it, uh, not rehearsed tasting of six rums. Six rums mean we have another 120 bottles to go. That's a very extensive collection. So we will see you guys again very soon. If you listen all the way till the end, thank you very much. Uh, stay tuned on the channel to see the latest bottlings being opened. Go to the website to see the tastings you guys can get uh, sent directly to your home. And if you have any question about rum, We'll do our best to answer. Just reach out to us and we will reply as fast as we can. Thank you very much. Bonne nuit. Bonne nuit.